0: The aha moment was that even though there are very good therapeutics targeting estrogen production, there were still escape mechanisms. So that tells us as a drug discoverer that we need to do better.
1: I'm Jane Grogan and I'm a scientist. And I think perhaps the only thing better than doing science is talking about the science. Lucky for me, I work in a place where I am surrounded by some of the brightest minds in research. However, there's usually not much time to just sit and talk. And that's why I'm so thrilled to be hosting this podcast. I'm going to step away from my lab today and chat with a colleague about some of the cool stuff we're working on, especially as we try to link these discoveries to new medicines. So grab your favorite drink, get ready to unlock your science brain, and join us for Two Scientists Walk Into a Bar, a podcast for biotech geeks and the people who want to hang out with them. One out of every eight women in the United States will be diagnosed with breast cancer at some time in their lives. Given those numbers, it's no wonder breast cancer continues to be the focus of so much attention. So do you think we're close to wiping out breast cancer? Um, I don't know that we'll see the end of cancer, any form of cancer, but I think we'll make great strides. In our lifetime? Not entirely sure in our lifetime, but I think eventually, I think it is possible. Um, it's going to be hard, though.
0: There are some new medicines that are being approved and, and coming out for breast cancer patients, but we, we still have a ways to go. I think closer.
1: I have faith that we will get to um, and that we will accomplish. But I don't. I think right now it is. A, it's going to take many years. I work in translational science. So with each advance in our understanding of cancer, my mind goes to how this new advance may impact patients. The more we know, the more patients we can try to help. The advent of targeted biologics for breast cancer has brought a sea change in the treatment paradigm. Joining me today to talk about this is Laurie Friedman, a Senior Director of Translational Oncology here at Genentech. Laurie has been studying breast cancer since the early days of biologics, and her goal is to improve outcomes for patients diagnosed with breast cancers. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Why are we still struggling with trying to cure breast cancer?
0: I think we've made a lot of good strides in breast cancer over the last 30 to 40 years. But the breakthroughs come in small steps. Breast cancer was one of the first areas where personalised medicine actually happened. So when the estrogen receptor was found to be a driver in breast cancer back in the 70s, that was instrumental in getting the first targeted agents, which was tamoxifen. And gradually, tamoxifen became used in earlier and earlier lines of breast cancer until it was found to prevent the recurrence of breast cancer. So let's take
1: a step back. Not all breast cancers are the same. What different kinds of breast cancers are there
0: and why are they different? When a woman or a man is diagnosed with breast cancer, typically there's a tissue sample that's sent to the lab and that is assessed as being either HER2 positive, estrogen receptor and progesterone receptor positive, or negative for all three of those markers. So, fundamentally, we think of it as three different subtypes, the HER2, the hormone, and neither. And these different subsets of breast cancer then can define the therapeutics that are used all of these can be different drivers that will drive the growth of breast cancer Mm -hmm. and when a successful therapeutic is made it will block the ability of those targets to drive the cancer jane we hear a lot about her2 can you clarify what her2 is that's wellington
1: my producer her 2 is a growth factor receptor that's on the surface of cancer cells. And in the case of this conversation, breast cancer cells. It is amplified or overexpressed on the cancer cell that then causes the cell to proliferate much more rapidly than a normal cell. But there are other kinds of cancers or, you know, cancer cells that are refractory to that treatment or don't express her 2 or, you know,
0: a hormone receptor positive. And... Yeah, so the landscape of... Breast cancer has changed in the last decade. Which is fantastic. Yes, which is fantastic. And basically the textbook for breast cancer has been rewritten. So now when we think of the likelihood of a patient relapsing from breast cancer, the strongest likelihood or the, the subset of the disease where that's most likely is now the so-called triple negative subset of breast cancer where there is no HER2 and there's no estrogen receptor and no progesterone receptor. And these patients are treated with the traditional chemotherapies. We are hoping that with some of the new therapeutics in trials that are ongoing, that we'll be able to make big strides in that subset of cancer as well.
1: What happens to these hormone receptor positive breast cancer cells? Why do they go from responding to estrogen well to becoming very hypersensitive or even addicted to to estrogen? Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: That is such a scientist question that does not have a
1: simple answer. Um. This is why we have jobs in science, right? Because sometimes there are no answers, right? Yeah,
0: but fundamentally, I don't think we know why cancer cells become addicted to the growth factors.
1: And so what are some of them, the dialing it back into the lab, the kind of approaches that you're taking or people in the field are taking in terms of translational oncology? to tackle some of these problems or these lack of
0: understanding. I like to look at the uh, clinical results and then think about what that's really telling us and what avenues of research that opens up. So for the hormone receptor positive breast cancers, there are some very good therapeutics such as aromatase inhibitors that block the synthesis of estrogen. And if you study tumor tissues from patients who have been on aromatase inhibitors and then relapsed you can find that the estrogen receptor itself has been mutated.
1: And so this is this then becomes a problem when you have these estrogen-targeted therapies and all these aromatases as you were highlighting. Mm-hmm. So um, what do we do about that? How, as a researcher, do you think about understanding what's driving the growth of these cells and how
0: we might target these therapeutically as well? So to me, the mutations that are occurring in estrogen receptor are a are basically clinical proof that the tumour is still dependent and relying on estrogen receptor to be a driver of the tumour itself.
1: It kind of points to the fact that even though we have sequenced the whole human genome, and theoretically we should know everything about it, that there are still things that
0: can change and mutate. I think it was a big surprise to me personally when those mutations in estrogen receptor were found two years ago. Because the human genome had been completed, we knew from thousands of patient samples what the common mutations were at the time of diagnosis. As it turned out, very few samples had ever been assessed at the time of relapse. And it was that insight to actually take the biopsy, sample and sequence it, where we found, wow, we've missed something. We've missed something big. The estrogen receptor itself has mutated.
1: This sounds so exquisitely simple. (laughs) Almost embarrassing. Is it not the case that most tumors are biopsied
0: at some point after treatment? In the United States, it is relatively common to have a biopsy at the time of a relapse Mm -hmm. for breast cancer. However, the samples were usually studied just for the well-accepted tumor markers of HER2, estrogen receptor and progesterone receptor. And it was only a couple years ago that people thought to put them into the DNA sequencing machine and see if anything else pops out. So kind of, instead of just
1: looking for the known, actually Mm -hmm. put them through a bit of a fishing trip, which is something we do sometimes as scientists, no matter how hypothesis driven we like to be, and we need to be, Mm -hmm. there are times when collecting a lot of information and analyzing from that perspective is
0: incredibly
1: important. So what was the kind of aha moment for you and people in the field? The
0: aha moment was that even though there are very good therapeutics targeting estrogen production or the estrogen receptor, there were still escape mechanisms, and the escape mechanisms are still focused around the driver of that tumor, which is the estrogen receptor. So that tells us as a drug discoverer that we need to make a better drug. Like we know the target's important, the tumor has now proven that that target is still important even in the relapsed or the metastatic setting and we need to do better. It's a little like viruses,
1: right? They mutate to try and escape from the attack they're getting from various
0: therapeutics. Right, every now and then something slips through, one of the cells slips through. So it does, it
1: shows you that that receptor in that pathway is critical for the cell, so they mutate it to
0: try and keep it functional in their particular way. Yes, so the mutations that were found in the metastatic setting for estrogen receptor, those mutations make the receptor even more active than it normally is. So more active than if it were being fed by the estrogen hormone, it turns it into a permanent on position. So almost independent of estrogen, the hormone after that? Yes, it's independent of estrogen. Jane, is she saying here that the tumour previously dependent on estrogen learns to grow on its own?
1: Yes, exactly. The oestrogen receptor mutates. It's always on and active. Essentially, DNA-wise, it becomes a different tumour. This is important because we need to think about treating it differently. So how far away is the
0: field from targeting these mutated receptors? There are a number of new therapies now in trials and these are being assessed both for their efficacy as well as their tolerability, because obviously the drugs need to be just as good as those long proven drugs, and they need to really prove themselves and be active.
1: I think that's a really challenging part of all drug development is that that therapeutic window, both in terms of being significantly better than something that's on the market in a very meaningful biological way, and also very, very safe. And each disease will have different thresholds for this. How do you make something or drug stronger and better? And is it as simple? Can we go in and screen for these mutations in advance? Or do we actually have to wait for tumours to escape to actually
0: identify these mutations? That is an excellent question and one that I think will be assessed in clinical trials. So both of those are possibilities. Newer generation of drugs could target tumours that have already had the estrogen receptor mutation arise. And they could also be assessed in the clinic, in clinical trials, to see if they prevent the mutations from arising in the first place.
1: And here's a really simple question. Why do these have to be assessed in tissue biopsies? Why can't we just measure this in the blood?
0: We can, and I'm very excited about this because it's so much simpler to get a blood sample and assess it for the presence of the mutation than it is to assess a tumor biopsy. Far less invasive. Far less invasive, and you can also potentially follow how well the therapeutic is working by taking, for instance, monthly blood samples, looking at the blood sample to see if there is any mutant tumor DNA that's been shed by the tumor, and then watching to see if that is depleted. If the drug's effective, you would assume that the tumour is shrinking and the amount of mutant DNA circulating would be diminished.
1: So the hope would be then that you'd have far less lag time between seeing if therapy A works yes. <laughs> before you switch them on to therapy B because you'd actually get
0: a real genetic readout of that early on. That's right, you'd get real-time data from blood samples of what's actually happening in the tumour itself.
1: And you mentioned early on that you've got a real interest in taking this kind of clinical information and bringing it back to the lab to try and understand the biology. which is this great phase, I think, of reverse translation that the medical field is sitting in right now. And so, how do you, kind of on a day-to-day or a project base, bring that information back practically to your lab and look
0: at these things? Well, we are always very curious, right? So for something like a mutation, there are several different mutations that can arise in estrogen receptor. And the instant question is, are they the same or are they different? Do they have different functions? So what we've done is to engineer breast cancer cell lines that will grow in petri dishes to knock in the different mutations. And we create parallel sets of cell lines. One will have the first mutation, one will have the second mutation, and one will have no mutation. And then we assay them to see what those mutations are really doing.
1: And how they're responding to some treatments and when they become dependent Mm -hmm. on
0: another pathway. Yes, so we're looking at things like how... is the proliferation rate changed if the mutations are present? Is the cell survival different? Do they ever die if they're challenged with the drug? When do drugs lose their effectiveness? Is there some concentration that you need to reach or some particular dose that's needed? We ask a variety of questions around the function of the mutations themselves and then how those might respond to different drugs.
1: So it sounds like we've made, I mean, despite the incredible strides and success that has been seen in breast cancer we still have this problem of mutation that the field needs to understand and then inside that reverse translation understanding of the biology and better diagnostics could lead us to a place where we can use the word cure
0: yes I think so I think we are gradually curing more people and I think personalized health care will become even more personal because as the cost of sequencing has diminished and it's becoming more common to get sequences, I think the medicines can really be matched to the patients. And that will definitely help with the curates.
1: And I have to ask, as you know, I have a huge interest in immunology myself. (laughs) And targeting the immune system in the context of tumors is proving in certain tumors to be Quite transformative. How do you think about the immune system in the context of breast cancer? And is there a component of that within these breast cancer that harbor these mutations or in this triple
0: negative breast cancer population that you referred to earlier? Yes, there's been early clinical trial data that shows that the triple negative breast cancer is perhaps the most susceptible to T cell checkpoint therapies like anti PD1 or anti PD01. And I think those trials should move forward as rapidly as possible. Triple negative is, of course, different than the other two subtypes of breast cancer. And so what I hope is that we can use the knowledge that we gain from those triple negative trials to see what other components of the immune system are important in the HER2-positive patients and the estrogen receptor-positive patients.
1: Yeah, it's really an exciting time. I think a lot of these multi-pronged approaches are really gonna come to some wonderful fruition clinically. Yeah looking into your crystal ball <laughs> over the next 10 years where do you see the whole field of of cancer going with you know with, with an eye to some of the things we've just been discussing
0: what i see for the future is that there will be more cures in the early breast cancer setting and that for metastatic disease it will be treated more as a chronic condition rather than a life sentence and that's what i hope for
1: and better diagnostics to go along to support all of that. There would have to be. It sounds like a very exciting time. Thank you so much for for chatting today, Laurie, and sharing your insights and some of the enthusiasm that you bring to research with us today. Thanks, Jane. That was brilliant. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with a new show. In the meantime, be sure to tell your fellow science fans about us, like us on Facebook and Twitter, and most importantly, subscribe and rank us on iTunes. And now, for me, it's back to the lab.